trigger warning this episode contains mention of anxiety depression suicide attempt to suicide and molestation hello dear listeners i am medha i'm dyutama and we welcome you to yet another episode of carrero and beyond a podcast series brought to you by Pinnacle, the Department of BA program Miranda House. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Mrs. Gayatri Ram Prasad, all the way from Portland, US. Ma'am is the founder and president of Asha International, a US-based non-profit organization dedicated to promoting personal, organizational, and community wellness, a mental health advocate, the author of Shadows in the Sun, Healing from Depression and Finding the Light Within, and a recognized TEDx speaker. Her wellness workshops and cultural competence trainings have reached more than 50,000 people nationally and internationally with a resounding message of hope and recovery. We are extremely glad to have you with us, ma'am. Delighted to be with you. Well, to begin with, ma'am, as you know that we all are quarantined in our houses due to the ongoing lockdown situation. So how is your present routine like and in what ways have you molded your lifestyle so that you still allot some amount of time to mental health and well-being? Well, thank you for that question. You know, for the first time in the history of the world in my lifetime and yours, I'm going to assume all of us around the world are experiencing the same thing at the same time, that being a pandemic life that we're all forced into. Right. And it's an incredible you know, experience to know that we're experiencing something together and have empathy for each other in this shared experience, globally speaking. And you know, I always draw the, on the parallels, right? I mean, while we are, sh- you know, in this shared experience as a global community and have empathy for each other during these difficult times, it's not at all so when it comes to experiencing a mental health condition, globally speaking. We find ourselves extremely stigmatized and shamed for just having a human experience and very deeply isolated. So, it's it's a very interesting time in my life as a citizen of the world and as a global mental health advocate to see the differences in how we as a global community are addressing rising to the needs of the times in terms of my routine you know how am i coping with this pandemic life you know that's brought so much uh, change and uncertainty and loss and grief and all of these very difficult human experiences all at once and you know especially being here in the US you know it's not just the you know the impact of the pandemic but it's also the impact of racial injustice and police brutality uh, for example you know my hometown of portland oregon in the northwestern part of uh, the united states is it's called the city of roses and it's an idyllic beautiful place where you know i've lived for almost 36 years now and it broke my heart to see the city erupt into pro- violence, violence perpetuated by federal, you know, 
employees <laughs> on protesters. For the most part, who were being peaceful. Yes, protests sometimes do get violent and I'm not taking sides, but I'm just trying to express the grief that you know I feel that most people around the country and around the world are experiencing. And at a time like this, of course, you know, even the aspect of mental health has been very, very much heightened because of the impact of all of these uncertainties and grief and loss in our lives uh, that at last, it's almost like we're all waking up and understanding that mental health is integral to our overall health and well-being and what affects our minds affects our bodies and affects our communities and vice versa and that we need to take care of it together and alone for ourselves and for each other. In a strange way though, how I cope with it has been very much the same of how I learned to cope with my mental illness. Right, it is right. through self-care hmm. and social support. Right, ma'am. These are indeed really difficult times and it is really important to make mental health our priority. Now, talking about lifestyles, this lockdown has been overly suffocating for some people. Every Instagram story has to do with someone learning a new skill or finishing a reading list. So how does one ensure that they do not have unrealistic expectations for themselves and take some time out to self-reflect, introspect and cope up with the pressure of being productive? It's a great question. It's a great question. And, and it's it's a question that has dogged dog all of us, right, as human beings. It's all about being productive. How productive have you been today? How productive have you been over the last few months? What did you, you know, produce? What did you accomplish over the last six months, over the last year or whatever? We can get stuck in that rat race. And now more than ever, we really, really need time, you know, to take time to be in solitude, to reflect, to rejuvenate, to regenerate ourselves. And for me, you know, what I have been doing is the same thing. Like, as I mentioned, you know, I started struggling with acute anxiety and panic attacks and depression in my teens in India, which went undiagnosed for almost seven and a half years. And by the time I did get a diagnosis, so to say, you know, I was in an incredibly terrible, terrible state. I couldn't function. I couldn't think straight. I, yeah, I was struggling and struggling very badly. But again, you know, some of the most traumatic experiences of my life, um, including multiple failed suicide attempts and hospitalizations and confinement in the seclusion room of a psychiatric ward here in the U.S. and losing a pregnancy and you know, being molested by a priest in India during one of my visits in the name of treatment, in the name of exercising the demons in me. You know, I mean, the traumas went on and on and on, but it's all of those traumas that also led me to a breakthrough in learning to understand my own self and what hurt me and what healed me. And I have been very, very fortunate to discover that breakdowns are opportunities for breakthroughs. And I consider myself the luckiest woman in the world. India gave me roots and America has given me wings to fly. And what I mean by that is in creating my lifestyle my self-care routine, the gifts of both cultures have been insurmountable. For example, I start my morning every day, no matter where I'm in the world, with pranayama, which is a gift that my Indian upbringing has given me. 
not that I learned it in India. It was American teachers here in America that taught me the skills of pranayama, of yoga, of transcendental meditation, all of which I have practiced for the last almost you know, 25, 28 years. And it's completely transformed my life. While those were the gifts that my Indian roots gave me, you know, the gift of cognitive behavioral therapy, the gift of independence to be who I am in my own right as a person, not as a woman, not as a person with mental illness, but as a human being with her own potential and her own dreams and her own um, visions to realize in this lifetime, right? Those are the opportunities, the wings that America has given me. And, you know, I, again, I'm the luckiest woman in the world to have the roots that Mother India gave me and the wings that, you know, Mother America has given me. And so, you know, it's been an incredible life of learning how to take care of myself, not just my mental health, but my overall health and well-being every single day. Now, you know, am I successful in doing that every single day? No. But do I try every single day and make time to take care of myself? Yes. And in the long run, it has helped me tremendously to create a structure, a foundation of sorts that no matter what is going on inside of me or outside of me in the world around me, it's given me a place to go to get centered and um, find my own inner resources to be able to cope with what's happening in, my, in myself or around in the world that I live. Rightly said, ma'am. Thank you so much for sharing your inspiring journey with us and our audience. And moving on now, World Health Organization's recent report states that depression is a very common mental disorder and more than 264 million people of various ages suffer from it. So according to you, what preventive measures can we take at an individual and at a community level to bring these numbers down? I always looked at it as a three-step process. You know, again, learning from my own journey and my family's journey and the journey of so many thousands of people that I've had the opportunity to connect with. Right. And the three key steps are awareness, acceptance, and action. You know, these numbers, the statistics are barely scratching the surface and getting through to us as a humanity around the world. What's really gonna amplify these statistics and bring it to life are the stories of people like me and others living with depression and other mental health conditions to stand up and to share their story, to humanize once and for all, to end the stigma surrounding what is a health condition, right? So the awareness that mental health conditions are health conditions, that they are pervasive and they're debilitating, not just to the individual, but also to families and to communities and to business. I mean, that it's, you know, devastating to the economy, to human lives, to social uh, fabric of our lives, you know, any which way you look at it, these are devastating health conditions that deserve to be treated with humanity, with love, with compassion, with care. And that awareness is still just barely dawning upon us. Just the incredible impact of mental health conditions in our life, in our world. Um, so the stories of people like me, human beings that are living you know, with these health conditions and that are so incredibly brave to be just waking up each day, trying to make it through this world where they are not accepted or embraced or respected 
you know, we've got to amplify the voices, the stories of people living with mental health conditions to raise the awareness that this is a human condition. This is not, as I was brainwashed into believing, a person who is possessed by demonic spirits. This is not mental, and when I say this, mental health conditions are not, you know, caused by demonic spirits or a person's, you know, personality, you know, disorder or a person being lazy or ungrateful to God or, you know, hysterical or, you know, weak or, you know, on and on the misperceptions go. So we've got to stand up once and for all and humanize and normalize mental health as a human condition. And it's about time we do that. I'm glad we're doing that right here, right now. The second step is about acceptance. We've got to create acceptance in the hearts and minds of the world around Yes. for the people living with mental health conditions, that these are human beings who are struggling with a mental health, you know, a health condition. Right. And what they deserve is love, understanding, compassion, care, and hope, most of all, that they are critical, critical, important beings in our global family right? We've got to create that hope. We've got to create the acceptance. We've got to create the love and compassion and care that all of us deserve as human beings. And so that acceptance that this is part of being human is so important. And I'm glad again that we're having this conversation, which is only going to further the acceptance that these indeed are health conditions that need to be addressed with care and compassion and action, right? We all need to take action. You know, it wasn't enough for me to educate myself that I had a health condition that was going to compel me to take my life. It was important for Mm -hmm. me to accept that, yes, I do have this health condition. And regardless of whether my family accepts it or my, you know, my community is aware of it, it's my responsibility to take action to save myself. And once I save myself, it isn't enough. I needed to take action to learn how to live well, how to create a life of resilience and of well-being where I could live my life fully and contribute to my world in return. And so those three steps are phenomenally key. You know, First of all, becoming aware that mental health conditions are pervasive and are common. Second, accepting that this is part of the human condition. And third, taking action as a global humanity to provide the hope and the love and the accept, you know, acceptance and compassionate care that every person living with a mental health condition deserves, no matter where they are, no matter what the color of their skin, no matter whether they're rich or poor. This is a question of human rights and social justice. Right, ma'am. I guess these three key steps will actually lead to normalizing the conversations around mental health. Now coming to the most interesting side of your personality, which is being an author, could you please tell our listeners what inspired you to write your book titled Shadows in the Sun, Healing from Depression and Finding the Light Within and what is it actually about? Yeah, you know, Shadows in the Sun is really my love offering to my own two daughters who were born and raised here in the U.S., They would never have had the opportunity to get to know uh, their parents' heritage, cultural heritage. Um, But they also would have never got to hear their mother's story in her own words. And growing up in, in in a culture like India, having the journey that I've had, I never heard a story like mine. 
Yeah, I heard a lot of stories growing up from Mahabharata, from Ramayana, from you know, popular, you know, whatever the popular authors were of the time, and Bollywood, of course, and Hollywood, and all of the movies, yeah, you know. Um, but I never heard a story of a person who struggled with a mental health condition, who actually learned how to overcome her struggles and build a healthy, meaningful, productive, joyful life for herself and for her family and her community. Yes, and so I wanted to dispel all the myths for all the years that I was told that my mental health story was going to bring shame to my family and to my community. I wanted to dispel that myth. I wanted to set myself free and my children and all the children in this world free and all the people living with mental health conditions are on the full free to know that in fact our story is our superpower right and so i wanted to share my story of that journey from childhood to where i am when i published it in 2014 in my own words so my children would one day get to know their mother in her own words in on her own terms not the way the world would have perceived her that is yes. really motivating, ma'am. Proceeding further, it is scientifically proven that yoga and meditation are helpful in battling mental health issues. So, in your opinion, how essential are these and how can they help in curing such illnesses? I wouldn't call it a cure. I know that, you know, we use these terms freely, but one must be really careful in using terms like a cure. Certainly, there's a great deal of evidence about the efficacy of yoga, of meditation, of breath work like pranayama or any other form of deep breathing skills and other relaxation techniques and meditative techniques and mindfulness techniques. And certainly, there's a lot of scientific research and evidence that these practices can greatly enhance the overall health and well-being of people and certainly even those living with mental health conditions and struggling with their mental health conditions. In my life, I am the living proof that they transformed my life. But that doesn't mean it can do the same for everybody. And so we need to be careful. And I definitely am extremely careful when I share my story or my own wellness practices to say that for every human being that's out there in this world, there is a path to their own well-being. And one must be mindful of that because what works for one person may not necessarily work for the other. But ultimately, what every one of us needs to remember is that never, never, ever give up hope because there are so many multitude of pathways and practices around the world that we can tap into to become well and to live well. Now coming to your NGO, ma'am. What was the thought behind setting up ASHA International and what challenges did you face in its inception? Sure. ASHA International, first of all, I'm sure you're extremely familiar with the name ASHA. It literally means hope in Sanskrit, one of the world's most ancient languages that originated in India. Yes, ma'am. And it also means hope in Hindi, India's national language. In English, it is an acronym for a source of hope for all. What inspired me to start Asha International was the promise that I made in the darkest moments of my life. Within a span of 10 days, I was locked up in an isolation cell in a psych ward here in America, twice within 10 days, and I'd lost a pregnancy in between. 
And at that point in my life, I truly believed my life was over, that I had so publicly shamed my husband and my family by checking myself into a mental hospital and having had a miscarriage, that I had failed both as a wife and as a mother and you know, even as a daughter for that matter. And that I was certain that my husband was gonna divorce me, take custody of our three-year-old little girl and move back to India and let me be there in that isolation to live and die alone. And yet it is in those darkest moments that a stranger came to visit me and gave me the gift of hope. In the few minutes that she came to see me at the hospital, she held me in her arms and she shared her story of her struggles with depression and her relentless pursuit of recovery. And in those few moments, she gave me the gift of hope that has transformed my life every single day. Because for the first time, I got to meet somebody that, you know, I that I looked up to, somebody that looked normal, somebody that looked respectable, this woman of incredible grace and dignity who took this chance to come meet me and share her story and for the first time helped me believe that I was not crazy, that I wasn't insane, that I wasn't dangerous, that I wasn't possessed, that I was indeed a human being just like her. And she, the only thing that, her name was Aida. Aida begged me to give her, you know, was this promise that I wouldn't kill myself. And she kept telling me that, I know you don't believe me, but I, believe me, you have the strength within you. You have the strength within you to overcome every single obstacle that is in your way and rebuild a beautiful life for yourself. All you have to remember is that you are worth it and you deserve a life of equity and dignity in this world and that you will never kill yourself. I promised her that day and that was the promise that realized into Asha International, the nonprofit organization that I started almost 17 years from when I had made that promise. Because in those 17 years, I needed to learn how to live well and you know, resilient more than anything. And in those 17 years, my brother developed depression, my sister developed schizophrenia, and my family and I went through incredible trauma. But it's the trauma over and over again that also strengthened my resolve to do what we do through Asha International, which is to give hope through the power of personal stories. We as an organization exist to amplify the stories of people living with mental health conditions, to normalize conversations about mental health and inspire hope and well-being one story at a time. Yeah, you, you know, the second part of the question was about obstacles, you know, as with anything, you know, I, I, I didn't go to school to learn how to start a nonprofit. It was born in a moment of darkness where I promised to transform my pain into purpose, to give hope to others like myself and never underestimate the power of a promise or the power of passion and persistence, because that's really what is going to change our world and change ourselves to be passionate and persistent in what we want is an incredible gift that can overcome any obstacles. Have I had obstacles? Absolutely. My family to begin with definitely did not want me to start the organization because they loved me and they were scared what people were going to say. If I stood up on a podium and said, my name is Gaia Three and I struggle with depression and I want to start a nonprofit organization, to normalize conversations about mental health. I mean, that's just not a dumb thing, especially not in the culture that I was born and raised in. So their love turned into incredible fear, which then turned into a lot of self-doubt of whether I could do this or not. 
But again, you know, the promise that I made in that moment of darkness has been my greatest strength and my guiding light and has become the guiding light and hope to thousands of people around the world today. And so whatever obstacles I come you know, come up against, whether you know, even in this country here in America with all the freedoms and opportunities that I have, certainly there's a lot of, uh, you know, um, a lot of obstacles for me as a woman and as a woman of color and as a woman of color who is a mental health advocate yes. and as a woman of color who is a mental health advocate who doesn't always advocate for only pharmaceutical interventions but instead stands up and uses the megaphone that is her organization to tell, let people know that you know they have inner wisdom within each of them yes and to follow that mm-hmm. inner wisdom and to pursue their own individual path to health and well-being and not necessarily believe that pharmaceuticals or yoga or whatever else is the only pathway right so right. there are a lot of obstacles mm-hmm. to overcome but yet again the opportunity to give hope to others like myself is the burning passion that gives me the courage and the persistence to wake up each day and look forward to pursuing our mission with every breath i have right right well uh, in my opinion that's a very very powerful and a very inspiring journey so thank you so much for sharing it with our listeners and wrapping the segment up ma'am one last question that i would like you to answer is if you could go back in time what would you tell your 20 year old self if i could go back in time what would i tell my 20 year old self I would tell her darling you are a born star. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yes. dare greatly, love deeply and share your light. Very well answered ma'am. Thank you so much for answering all our questions so patiently and we hope that we bring about a change in and around us through our actions and our words because a gift of hope and healing goes beyond borders. and unites us all in making our world a better place to live in couldn't have said it better myself thank you so much it's been an honor to be with you all and i might all you and all of your listeners to come visit us at myasha.org and become part of the asha family and together we can give hope and let the world know that absolutely mental illness has no barriers hope and healing have no boundaries all right So with this it's a wrap for this segment of Carrero and Beyond. Stay tuned until we meet next and have a good day ahead. Thank you. Mm-hmm.